Articles by Desiring God Take the Hill How Mission Brings Men Together Written and read by Greg Morse The plot was, in most respects, suicidal. Jonathan, impatient with his father's halting, snuck off to the Philistines' camp, his trusted armor-bearer beside him. Near the border, Jonathan turned to his servant and, defying common sense, said, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. While Saul sat back counting his soldiers, Jonathan counted to two and drew his sword. I imagine myself as Jonathan's servant. What do you mean, go over? You mean fight an entire army with just the two of us? And what do you mean it may be that the Lord will work for us? Shouldn't we check first? What his armor bearer actually said was this. Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Here is a brother born for the day of adversity, a soldier ready when the war horn sounds, the kind of man you want by your side when everything is on the line. This nameless servant of Jonathan would fight whomever Jonathan fought. They would claim victory together or die together, whichever the Lord willed. He not only carried his master's armor, he stood ready to strap it on himself. And he did. The Philistines called them up to fight, confirming in their minds that God went with them. So Jonathan charged up first his armor-bearer behind. After they killed twenty men, the Lord sent the thousands within the Philistine camp into confusion. Israel's army, observing the commotion, drew near to see the Philistines striking each other down. They then overwhelmed the bewildered army. And so the Lord saved Israel that day. Men of our own soul. My question is where are Jonathan and his armor bearer today? Where are the men who have resolved, God helping them, to take the hill for Christ? Men who see the devil's flag waving over their neighborhood and dare some glorious mission. Men who hear the taunts of that Philistine Planned Parenthood and pray, fast, and strategize to save lives. Men who, when confronted with the evil forces at work in their area, say, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Where are the men who take seriously Jesus' claim that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? Men who do not pretend that their captain is halting like Saul, but hear his call to manfully venture outside the camp. Men who know they never step anywhere under the sun that is outside their king's jurisdiction. Men who, when they speak with politicians, implore sinners, or expose scoffers, secure good works in the name of Jesus, do so unashamed because their master rules all. And where are the men on mission 
together. The Jonathans to lead the way and the faithful and formidable armor bearers to charge behind. Where stand the men outmanned and outmaneuvered, yet pointing and saying, We know nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Where are the hills flapping with the gospel's banner? Where is that sacred flame that unites two or more soldiers on active duty, standing firm in the armor of God? I first ask myself these questions. My city and my neighborhood do not lack needs, just bands of brothers to meet them. Man in his household. Is even our ideal Christian man today isolated from other men? His world orbits around his personal devotions and how he leads his own family toward Christ. Healthy fatherhood and healthy husbanding within healthy homes can appear to suffice. But this faith scarcely resembles our forefathers who conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Hebrews eleven thirty three and 34. Let the Philistine flag fly in our city, we seem to say, each man for his family and himself. And even when we do gather together, do we move beyond the talk of war? Surely how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity and meet to update about last week's battles and pray for battles to come. But how often do we meet and talk of soldiering only to disband and fight alone? Why not take a hill together? Jonathan did not send his armor bearer into the camp alone with plans to meet next week for an update. And there may be also a lesson for us in the sin of King David the man Jonathan would love with his own soul. His mighty fall with Bathsheba occurred at home, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. David was slain by temptation at home, a fate we have shared, when he stayed back from mission with his men. Lineage of Conquerors how many of us today know the blessing George Whitfield once described? It is an invaluable privilege to have a company of fellow soldiers continually about us, animating and exhorting each other to stand our ground, to keep our ranks, and to manfully follow the captain of our salvation, though it be through a sea of blood. Men need something to live for, to fight for, to die for. Our faith lineage, we men in the West must never forget, includes not only those who conquered kingdoms and put armies to flight, but also those who suffered without obvious success. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Hebrews 11.35-38 These heavenly men, bearing worth beyond this realm, suffered. We must count the cost. Regardless of victory or defeat, whether hills be claimed with our efforts or not, remember, we do not descend from those who shrink back and are destroyed, but from those who have faith and preserve their souls. Men of courage, men of valor, men of God. Our missing mission. Some godly men today, perhaps many, need more mission. We need to look around us and pray. We need to fight on hills we cannot take alone. Is it safe to say that if we don't need other men, we might not be on mission? Paul often called his brothers fellow laborers, fellow workers, or fellow soldiers. Do we hold objectives together that prompt us to speak this way of one another? Masculinity begins to atrophy when it terminates on itself and even on its family. As important as our households are, Men were made to cultivate, to build, to exercise dominion. The godly man's gaze is on his family at home, who should be on mission as well, and also toward the horizon with other men. He says with Joshua, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he seeks with Joshua to march forth with brothers to take new territory for their God. And woe to him who is alone when he falls in battle. So go street preach, intercede outside of abortion clinics, evangelize blocks surrounding your church, build a fence for old Mrs. Jones in Christ's name, meet every week to pray for the nations and raise money to support missionaries overseas. Ask your elders, a supreme model of brotherhood, how you can serve together in the church and beyond. Men, we are made to conquer made to risk, made to sweat and face resistance, made to hunt souls, build and mend fences, evangelize blocks, mobilize missions, and a million other worthy pursuits in the name of King Jesus. So come, let us go out. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.